0: Hello and welcome to C3 City Light Podcast. You'll find us here in Raleigh until all are awakened to the light and love of Jesus. We hope that you find this message encouraging. For more information, check us out at c3citylight.com or on social media at C3 City Light. Part two, living our best life. I told my good friend Harrison a while ago, last week I sang the song and no one got the reference, so this week I'm going to fight the urge. I will not sing that song, but it's all over the radio. Living my best life. Living my best life now. That's all I got. That's it. I don't think you can quote any other rest of the song. Because on the radio, it's like, it's just added to like crazy. But living my best life. And we talked last week from the life of Abram, from the life of Abram. He's got his life. He's doing his thing. And the Lord revealed himself to Abram. And what God's plan for Abram's life blew his mind. It was so much bigger. It was so much more expansive. It was so much more powerful than what Abram was living. And God made a promise to Abram. He said, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to bless you so much that through your life, all the people on earth are going to be blessed. Man, what a promise. Are you kidding me? That's God's best. Abraham's living down here doing all right. And then God's, come on up, come on up here. I really want to bless you. I really want to take you to a whole nother level. I want to bless you so much that there's an overflow that people all over the world see your life and glorify me. That's next level living. Are you kidding me? That's God's best. But we found out last week that just because God's got a plan for our life, I mean, we got to get in line with it. He told Abram to leave his family, leave all of his relatives, leave the land that he knew, leave the home court advantage, leave all of that, and go to a place that he would show him. He didn't even tell him where to go. He just said, start walking. I'll show you when you get there. And so where we pick up at today is what do we do when our reality does not reflect what God said? Anybody ever had to wait? You just had to wait? Let's just be honest. I hate waiting. I'm not that good at it. I'm trying. And it says, like, every time I realize how bad I am at waiting, it seems like God just gives me another opportunity to get better at it. Anybody can relate? Like, you're just like, man, like, for real? i got to wait again? you all going to make me sit through this cycle at this light again? Like, oh. But I remember, I think it was the third grade, there was this project. And it was, like, with a lima bean. And the teacher gives you a lima bean, then they give you a wet paper towel, and you put the lima bean in the paper towel, and then you wet it regularly throughout the week. And at some point, it starts to sprout like a root out of that lima bean. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, all right, I think it's a North Carolina thing. You probably experienced that, right? Like, lima beans, they grow. Okay. And then at some point, after the lima bean gets a little root shooting out, starting to sprout, you put it, for us it was a mason jar because we're in the south. There was a mason jar with a bunch of dirt, and you put the lima bean in there and you covered it up. And I forget how long it took. It feels like it was the whole semester, but that's probably just because I was in the third grade and it was probably like a month. But I remember every day waking up, going to school, putting a little bit of water in the mason jar, um, going home, coming back and looking the next day. Oh, is it sprouting? Is it sprouting? Is it sprouting? Why would that teacher make a third year old, a third grader, have to do that? Waiting. And I figured it out this morning. She was preparing me for DMV. (laughs) Right? Like she was just getting my life ready to experience DMV and to make it through DMV without losing it on somebody or going to Walmart. She was just helping me get ready. You have to wait. That's a part of life. Waiting. It's just a part of life. But that waiting, in that waiting, if we're not careful, we can begin to like, doubt. We can begin to get frustrated. We can begin to put our hope in something else. We can get tired of putting our trust in God. And if we're not careful, if we don't learn how to wait the proper way, we will begin to allow our trust in God erode. It's getting super real today. It can happen, but we see that from the text. All right. So here we go. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. Cause I was thinking about lima beans. It's not that relevant. Like people don't plant lima beans. don't have gardens in Raleigh. Most people don't. How about this? You're single. You're praying for a man. You start praying for a man. God, I want, I want him to be, let's see, let's see, uh six foot tall. Six pack. No, 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 six pack, eight pack, Lord. I want him to have an eight-pack. Eight pack. Um Oh, God, he's got to have a good job, Lord. Bless him with a good job. He'll be a good father. He'll be a good provider. Um, and, Lord, he's got, to, he's, got to, he's got to like the beach. He's got to like going on walks. Oh, he better take me to watch old movies. Lord, he's got to like, I want him to watch Casablanca with me. And you start praying. You start praying for that man of your dreams. Right, ladies? You start praying. Fast forward five years. You're tired of waiting. Lord, I would like a male. I would like him to have a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> God, he's got—he's a job, and I hope he's nice. He can be four foot five—I don't care. We're past that. I'm tired of waiting. Come through, Lord, right? So it's practical. It's not just a Bible study that we learned when we were a kid about Abram. This is some practical stuff. Where we—what happens when our trust begins to erode? What happens when we lose our patience? What happens? When we start to have some unmet expectations or unfulfilled promises, what do we do? God, give us the grace today to learn how to wait. How to wait on your promises, to wait on your word. Holy Spirit, speak through this text of Genesis 15 and teach us today how to wait. Amen. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Genesis 15, verse 1. Genesis 15, verse 1. We were in Genesis 12 last week. If you missed it, go back and read it. There's these great promises, this wonderful vision that God gives Abram for his life. And then we talked about how it just started to go wrong. He had to go rescue Lot. All these difficult things were coming on right on the tail end of an amazing promise from God. Now we fast forward now, Genesis 15, verse 1. Sometime later. Come on, how do we live our best life in the waiting? The Bible says, sometime later. Sometime later. I've glossed over that so much reading it. And when I was studying it this week, preparing for this, most scholars looking at the context and look at all the pieces, that was a decade. Sometime later. We're talking 10 years. Sometime later, I'm like at drive through Come on, like five minutes, 10 minutes. That's sometime later. A decade God spoke this amazing promise. Abram uprooted his life. He's following the Lord the best he knows how to. Lot's getting overcome and taken captive. He has to go fight him off and capture back Lot. And some time later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, and he said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I will protect you, and your reward will be great. So God reaffirms that promise from chapter 12 that we learned about last week. He reaffirms it. Hey, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you so much that all the families on earth will be blessed all through you, Abram. And so he comes back and reaffirms all this. Sometime later, I will protect you, and your reward will be great. Well, at this point, Abram's had it. Ten years have gone by. Abram's had it, and we see his response in verse 2. Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. God's reminding Abram of the promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to protect you. Don't forget what I spoke to you 10 years ago. It's still going to happen. Abram's like, just stop it with all the blessings. Stop it with all the protection. You're telling me you're going to make me into a nation. I'll settle for a son. I don't care about the guy that's six foot tall with an eight pack. I'll settle for a four or five guy with zero hair and a job. Just give me a son. Like, just, just. Stop, I don't need any more blessing. It's all going to my servant anyway. Where's my son? You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Like, I can really relate to this conversation with Abram. Can you? You've got a promise. You've got a word from the Lord. You're feeling good about following Jesus. And and all right, God, you said you're going to bless me. All right, God, you said that that you're for me and not against me. With the now that I started following you, it seems like everything's falling apart. Where are you? Where are you? And this leads me to point number one about how to wait. How do we wait on our best life? we got to understand point number one, waiting reveals our trust. How you wait reveals your heart. How you wait reveals what you trust in. And I'm convinced that God is giving us an invitation to trust him. The Christian walk. I know this is a series about our best life. is about a generosity series. And we ain't even going to talk about money today. It's not about money. It's about positioning our heart to trust God. He just wants us to trust him. And to trust him how? That all of his intentions for our life are always our best. God has always got his best intention for our life. Doesn't matter how we feel, doesn't matter what we see, doesn't matter about the circumstances, it doesn't matter. God's intention for our life is always good. I don't know how you feel today. I don't know how you maybe you drug yourself in here. Hear this today. God always has your best on his heart. Always. Whether it looks like it from our point of view or not, he always has his best for our heart. But how we wait reveals like how we wait reveals if we trust that if we believe that but I could see Abraham having this conversation 10 years after the promise 10 years of Lama's class 10 years of Sarai reading what to expect when expecting like 10 years of oh should we go with the Star Wars pattern for the nursery or should we go with my little pony 10 years of this promise and nothing happens he was 75 when he got the promise. Now they're 85 and still no kid. And they're going to be a nation. I can hear him saying, I'll settle for a descendant of my own. Everything's going to the air. Everything's going to the servant. He's going to get all of it. I just need a son. God, do you see me? I mean, that's a decade of an unmet expectation, a decade of an unfilled promise. I can get why his heart's getting weary to trust. I can relate with Abram. But we have to remember, just because we don't see anything doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Just like that lima bean. I saw it sprout out in the paper towel, and I was, ooh, we got a root. Here we go. Then I put it in the soil, and nothing for months. Nothing. i never forget. Finally, I see that green pop out of that soil, and it's like, yes! I thought I gave it too much water and killed it. But it's a lot. I could see how Abram's just like, ah, oh, nothing's happening, God. Nothing's happening. I'm doing my part. Sarai's still not pregnant. Nothing's happening. Waiting reveals our trust. But I love, I love, I love how, the God, how God operates, how the Lord works. And we're going to see what the Lord does. But true trust is always believing that God's intentions toward us are always good. Even when it doesn't look like it, even when that seed's under the ground and nothing's coming up, we can always trust that God's at work. So point number two that we've got to learn to be good at waiting for our best life, we have to return to the source. Sometimes when you get waiting, you can trust in your own understanding. You can trust in your own strategy, your own game plan. Hey, one way or another, this thing's happening. Okay, God, like you're not doing the heavy lifting, so I'm, I'll step in and, oh, we get in trouble. But waiting reveals our trust. We get in trouble when we start doing that. Lord, I've been waiting for this man for five years. I'm just going to jump on Tinder and I'll figure it out myself. Like, you ain't going to provide the man. I'll go find him, right? Like, Lord, I've been waiting for a promotion at work. It didn't come. I'm going out on my own without any peace, without any word from the Lord. Just, I'm going to make it happen, God. Let's go. I know you want to bless me. What are we trusting? Come on, this word's really applicable today. What are we trusting? So we got to return to the source. Point number two, we return to the source. God knows what we need and how to get it to us. God is going to do what he said he would do. His intentions are always good for your life. This is what he does with Abram. All Abram could see was what he didn't have. That's all he was focused on. I don't have a son. I don't have any heirs. Um, My my servant's going to get everything. Like, get to the party, God. You're showing up late. Come on, get here. All right. So what does the Lord do? Verse 4, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be the heir, and you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Verse 5, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. All Abraham could focus on, all he could see with his vision was what he didn't have. God takes him outside says, look up. That's what you have. God corrects his vision. I'm the source of this thing, not you. Don't look at what you don't have. It doesn't matter. You're not the source. I'm the source. Look up in the stars. Growing up, I always thought that was like some type of just thing to help his vision. Just help him see, right? Look at all the stars. You're going to be that numerous. I thought it was like some mental health exercise. I don't think that was it at all now. Go back to earlier in Genesis. The Lord spoke the stars. The Lord spoke the earth into existence. The Lord spoke, and there was day, and there was night. There was land, and there was void, and there was water. He spoke, and he created that. He spoke. I think God's taking Abram back to the source. Hey, you remember that seed I planted in your life? You remember that word I gave you? You're going to be a great nation. Your name's going to be great. I'm going to bless you so much that all the people of earth are going to be blessed. I'm taking you to a land that I'll show you. I'm giving all of that to you as an inheritance. I think God's saying, stop looking at what you don't have. Trust the seed. Trust the soils. If I spoke that into existence, I can speak this into you. He's taking them back to the source. Abram, this thing ain't on you to make happen. It's on me. If I hung the stars, I can certainly help you get your wife pregnant. God stands outside of time. He stands outside of our resources. He's unlimited. But we forget that in the waiting. We forget it, our human weakness, and just we get frail, and we get impatient, and we get tired of waiting. We just get tired of waiting. And God's taking him. Abram, stop looking at what you don't have, and look what I'm able to do. If I spoke that into existence, and I spoke to you, what's the commonality the one who's speaking. If I can do that, I can do this. And he gets Abram's attention. I love it. But here's one of the things we got to understand, and we always got to go back to the source. Our crop, the fruit of our life, is only as good as the seed. It's only as good as the seed. If I've got a busted seed that's dried up and has no life in it, and it's just completely like it's just busted it's not going to work, it doesn't matter if I plant it in the best soil, give it adequate water, adequate sunlight. It doesn't matter if the seed's cut in half and it's not good. Like, it doesn't matter. Whatever you put your trust in is the seed that you've planted for your life, and you're going to reap the fruit of it as you pursue it, as you give it time, as you follow the Lord, as you do all that. The, the seed that you've sowed in faith is going to be the fruit of your life. And I'm telling you, if you've placed your trust in your faith and you've kind of made you the source, your ability to work hard, your ability to be the smartest person in the room, your ability just to gut it out, grind it out, it's going to happen one way or another. I'll poke myself up by the bootstraps. You can't put that. That can't be your source. At some point, you're going to run out. But if God's the seed, if he's the soil, he will never run out. He's infinite in all of his ways. He's infinite. He'll never run out. He will always be faithful. He will always be on time. He always has the answers we got to return to the source. So if I want a good fruit for my life, if I want to produce a life that leaves a legacy where there's an overflow of generosity, if I want to live my best life, I cannot be the source of it. I can't be the source of the plan. I can't be the source to sustain it. It's all got to come from God and be sustained by God. Now, I've got my part, right? Abram had to have faith, leave his family, walk away from what he knew, and trust God. He had to do that. But in the season of waiting, he had to keep trusting Keep trusting and keep returning to the source. So God reminded Abram of the seed. The seed was God's word. If I spoke the stars into existence and I spoke to you that you're going to have all these descendants and your wife's going to be pregnant, no matter how old she is, trust the source. Number three, point number three of how to wait the right way and to live our best life. Point number three, we got to feed the seed. We have to feed the seed. Verse 6. And Abram, after all that the Lord told him, showed him the stars, all that. Here we go. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. There wasn't a sacrifice made. There wasn't a ritual or a cleansing or anything like that. Righteousness, right standing with the Lord. Abraham received it because he believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. We don't bring a whole lot to the table. All we believe is faith and trust that God's intentions towards us are always good. God, if you said it, you'll do it. I'll believe you. No matter what, I'll believe you. Even when I get weak, I'll keep believing you. I trust you, God. If you said it, you'll do it. And God saw Abram's faith that he believed, and he counted him as righteous because of his faith. That's good news, right? Now, verse 7, then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, the Chaldeans, to give you this land as your possession. Abram's doing really good right now in verse six and seven. Here comes eight. Don't derail it, Abram. Come on, man, stay strong. Verse eight, but Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Wait a minute. His faith was so high in one verse that it's counted to him as righteous. And then like, God gives him another blessing. You see all this land that I brought you out? This is all your possession right here. This is modern day Jerusalem. This is Israel. Hey, look, 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 all this right here. Boom, that's what I'm going to give you. He can't, it's too good to be true. Abram doesn't believe it. Verse 8 Oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? It's two sides of the coin. There's faith on one side. He's doing his best to believe, but then on the other side of the coin, wait a minute, am I actually going to possess this? Can this actually really happen, God? I know you promised me this. I know you said you would never leave me or forsake me, but God, are you actually going to hold up your end of the deal? Lord, I know you said you had good plans for my life. You wanted to bless me. You wanted to protect me. You wanted to keep me. You wanted to, and this is eternal life that I would know you. Sure doesn't feel like it, God. Are you actually going to give me eternal life? Are you really going to keep my faith solid? Are you really going to keep me in the palm of your hand, Lord? Are you really going to do it? Are you actually going to do it? And the waiting, we get to that place of doubt sometimes. Are you actually going to do what you said you would do? And I love how the Lord does this. Like God can handle our doubt. You know that? God's big enough. He can handle our insecurity. God didn't get mad at them. God didn't like just strike them dead like you're done. Forget you, Abraham. He he didn't do any of that. What did he do? I'm not going to read it to you. We've already done almost half a chapter of the Bible. But today, here's your homework. Go read the rest of chapter 15 of Genesis. It's beautiful what God does. I'm going to give you the cliff notes. God tells Abram, okay, all right actually going to possess. Okay, you're going to doubt me. Okay, no problem. Go Go get a cow. Cut it in half. Go get a sheep. Cut it in half. Go get a turtle dove. Don't cut that in half. I guess it's too small. I don't know. And they lay out the halves of these animals, the sacrifice. They lay it out. This makes absolute sin- no sense to us. Why? We don't do agreements like that today. We draw up documents and we sign them. That ain't how they did it in the Old Testament. That's not how things got done. There was blood that was shed. There was a sacrifice involved. It cost some money because someone, I mean, that cow, some, who's going to eat it? We're going to sell it? Like That cost somebody something. But they cut the cow. They cut the sheep. They didn't cut the turtle dove. And he made the sacrifice before the Lord. And the Lord said, this is my covenant to you. This is my covenant. In seminary, they taught us about unilateral. It's one-sided. It's not bilateral where if you do this, then I'll do this. It wasn't a conditional contract. It was an unconditional, unilateral, one-sided covenant from God to Abram. I told you I was going to do this. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you so much. I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to bless you so much that all the people on earth are blessed because of you. And it doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to do my part. And it says that Abram went to sleep, and then he woke up because he started smelling fire. And the Lord came through as fire and burned up that sacrifice, proving that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. He made a one-sided covenant with Abram that we are the recipients of today. I'm not going to read all the verses, but Paul talked about that so much to the people of Jerusalem, to the Israelites. He talked about that. We are of the promise of Abraham. We've been grafted into the family of God. So if you have faith in Christ, you have received that today. But I just, I'm so encouraged by how God responded to Abram's doubt. He was trying, I believe you, okay, and it's counted to him as righteous. And then two verses later, are you actually going to help me possess this land? I could just relate with that, like just kind of, I want to believe, but help my unbelief. I want to believe, but come on, God, I'm struggling, help me. And God says, this ain't about you. It's unconditional. I love you, unconditional. I'm telling you, we've got to feed the seed. At every, any opportunity in our life, we're going to fill our life with thoughts. And we can either fill our life with thoughts of faith and God's faithful and his character is true. And I'm convinced that his intention for me is always good. Or there's not enough money. We're running out of time. There's not enough help. I'm always going to be single. God's just, oh, I'm never going to have a good job. We can fill our mind with doubt. And unbelief. Are you actually going to help me possess this Lord? So God uses these situations to grow our faith where we're just feeding the seed, feeding the seed, feeding the seed. If you said you're going to do it, you'll do it. You are not a man that you would change your mind or lie. If you said you'll do it, you'll do it. None of this makes sense if you don't have a personal relationship with God. Like none of it. Like you're trying to do it maybe intellectually or with your thoughts. And this is something we can't wrap our brain around. We just can't. It's something we have to catch our spirit. Our spirit's got to get it and it's got to click. We have to become alive in Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his son. So Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. He was completely blameless, he was perfect, he never committed a sin. He was blameless. So he lived the life that we should have lived, and if the band will go ahead and come, or the keys, um, he lived the life that we should have lived, and then he died the death that we all deserve to die. Because the wages of sin is death, and we've all gotten it wrong to some degree. We might have gotten it wrong this morning on the way to church, yelling, cut me out, I'll show you. But we've all gotten it wrong. But Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we deserve to die. He did it in our place. And now he's in heaven and he offers salvation to anyone that will believe. Anyone. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter what you are good. Anyone that will believe that he's the son of God. He offers salvation to anyone that will believe we would not perish but have everlasting life that's the promise of god the day so when i'm telling you got to feed the seed that's the seed we have to feed that jesus is the source that god is the source his intentions toward us are all ways good He's always working things out for our good, for those who are called according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. But none of this is going to make sense if you don't have a personal relationship with God. It starts there, and it's always sustained by that personal relationship with God you got to feed the seed. But my question is, you can spend all this time feeding the wrong seed. You can spend all this time watering the wrong thing, watering how hard you work at work, watering um, your social agenda and always trying to just fill your void and fill your time with people. Don't feed the wrong seed. Feed the right seed. God loves you, wants to know you, and this is eternal life that you would know him. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins when you know Jesus. And that's the invitation for every single one of us. We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more info or to connect with us, check us out at c3citylight.com.